Hey, it's Mike from the High Hash Rate Podcast. Just want to take a brief moment here and thank Fountain.fm for really helping us grow our podcast. I mean, this has been a, a fun ride. We're very thankful for all of our listeners. And if you found us through Fountain, uh, which is likely the case, because that's where most of our traffic comes from. What a cool model, right? Podcasting 2.0. But if you are not listening to High Hash Rate on Fountain.fm, we highly recommend it. You can stream sats to your favorite podcasts. You can also create clips and even stack sats by listening to your favorite podcasts. It's that easy. So if you're not a fountain, head on down and download fountain.fm today and start listening and stacking them sats. The law of attraction is your vibrational frequency being mirrored to you in the world around you. Okay. And so... If you're tuning your vibrate, if tuning your vibration is like tuning your radio signal, and people, you know, this is commonly talked about today. Like there are like endless YouTube channels that talk about this. I think what might be so profound about Bitcoin is 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 it's maybe the largest scale, like vibrational frequency that we are all attuning to very clearly like it's very clear like even religion in the past everybody had their own version it was all kind of different this is one fucking solid vibrational frequency that like everybody is aligning with hey everybody this is the high hash rate podcast i'm mike and i'm dan and this podcast is just two plebs getting high and talking about bitcoin life and the absurdity of the fiat world our guests don't necessarily get high with us, and you don't have to either. But it helps. Smoke it up, blow it up, whatever. Anyways. My, my intros aren't that lame. Come on. Your intros are lame, dude. Oh, cool. <laughs> <laughs> but right now we're talking to Eric. And right now, if, you, if you're listening to this, he's smoking a really fat blunt, and he's behind him is, I don't know couple hundred plants what, what's going on behind you man what's what's the context you're in right now yeah so we're in a, a licensed cannabis facility in northern california this is a 2800 square foot greenhouse uh it's a mixed light facility is what it would be referred to and we're uh five days in from transplant uh on a crop so we are the beginning of a growth cycle so for you know the high hash rate podcast, I felt it was only appropriate to do this from the greenhouse. Dude, that's crazy. Um, yeah. What? I, so I've got a friend from Northern California. Like I don't know. I don't know how secretive you are about your location, but like all I can think about is Humboldt County and like the hippie yeah, communes. And okay. So this is a licensed opera. I mean, looking at the video, it looks like uh, it looks like almost like you could be in a hockey arena that's what it kind of looks like from this vantage point this looks like a pretty big facility this is not filled with like hippies who are just like clipping uh clipping and like making hash right and just having like some kind of orgy in the compound you're in like this is a legit op yeah this is uh this is commercial cannabis i would say this is small scale commercial cannabis okay. point in the game this is definitely boutique cannabis yeah. How, okay. how much? The, how much does your yeah. does that kind of facility yield? I'm just curious. Over the course of a year, maybe. So we have 85 lights in here. 84 precisely. And the goal is to get between out of one and a half to two pounds a light per crop. 
And if we don't miss a beat, we can get four and a half cycles in a year. So it's like 150 to 200 pounds a pole. This is a significant amount of cannabis. So it, from, uh, from your perspective, is the, is, the, is the industry, the United States industry, is it booming right now? Or is it like in a, bull, a bear market? Or is it kind of like you're waiting for the next thing to kick off? How's, it, how's that going? Uh, I would definitely say that as an industry, things are, things are doing well in the sense that a lot of cannabis is flying around and a lot of people are using cannabis. But there is an issue that, you know, we're all struggling with as producers and it's just the sheer forces of commoditization. So when you have an enormous margin like traditionally was in cannabis, it's a huge incentive for entrepreneurs and capital to move into that sector of the market, up the supply relative to the demand, and that drives the price down. So, yeah, we definitely are getting a lot more producers are coming into the, the business because it's not as sketchy as it used to be. And that's just basic supply demand economics. You know, we're meeting right. the demand. How, yeah. what, what is your role? What do you do? So I'm a consultant at this point. I manage this facility. Um, I had a licensed farm. I was actually one of the recipients of the one of the first state licenses in the state of California in 2018 for my my cannabis farm. Um, and that was one hell of a, uh, a lesson in counterparty risk. You know, this was like fucking many, many years of hard work and what I thought was a dream come true. And pretty quickly, I figured out that intuitively, the long term for a small producer like me was not bright. It was a grim future. And so I decided to pivot out of the business after having it for two years. Um, at that time, also, I had learned about Bitcoin and kind of gone down the rabbit hole of hard money and, and wanted to learn the economic cycles. So, yeah, I sold my farm and I pivoted my business model to consulting. So how, how did you get into this? I mean, is it just one of those things where it's like you find what you love and you do it and you never work a day in your life? Yeah. How do you start uh, a cannabis yeah. uh, farm? Say that again. How do you start a cannabis farm? Like, how, how do you get into that? Yeah, like, I mean, what for, for me, it was kind of interesting. I mean, as a teenager, I developed an affinity for cannabis and not really any other drugs. I did some, you know, a little bit of drinking like a kid does and a little drinking in my, my 20s. But for me, I've always had an affinity for cannabis. And in my mid-20s, a friend of mine that I went to school with came to Humboldt County and went to Humboldt County University, HSU. Uh, or Humboldt State University. And uh, they got involved in the grow scene because it's a huge cannabis community up there. They knew my affinity for cannabis and invited me to come up and trim. And so I came up in 2009 and I trimmed. Dude, as soon as I got into the county, like I knew it. I was like, this is what I'm going to spend my life doing. Like, this is fucking awesome. <laughs> and so I trimmed and I saved money and you know, I started growing weed in a garage and then I, you know, it ends up that, you know, I have a big facility or big grow down in Garberville and this is all 215 laws. So it's lawful under the 215 laws of the time, which are the medical laws and you could pay your taxes and I mean, you could do it. There was ways to do it. And I'm not a huge risk taker. So, you know, I've got a 501c3, started my collective, signed up medical patients, did all the paperwork, jumped through the basic hoops started growing weed like I dude I fucking love it honestly it's been been a wonderful chapter of my life I will say hard for sure but good I'm super grateful 
What has the evolution been like in, in California? Because I, I, would you say that California is kind of like the leading state when it comes to the industry, the regulation, just how this business is growing? Um, yeah, I would say that California has been on the leading edge of the cannabis cultivation industry or the cannabis industry at large. Um, some of the things that have happened in Calif California are kind of hurting the California cannabis industry. Um, the two issues that I have as a California cannabis provider, I could sum up like this. It's commoditization. It's a deflationary world. You know, I have real world, a real dollar deflation in my wages and I have real inflation in my cost of goods. So, I mean, it's the extreme. It's like someone getting minimum wage, the minimum wage keeps getting bumped up. So I'm fighting against commoditization and the downward pressure on the price by becoming more efficient and scaling up. But you can, it's like Sailor says, the road to serfdom is working exponentially harder for a currency growing exponentially easier, uh, uh, weaker. I mean, I can spin my wheels trying to keep up with this. And so then the other issue is jurisdictional competition. Jurisdictional competition. For example, Oklahoma goes state rec and they say, hey, you know what? We'll fucking approve you in five seconds for a fraction of the fees as any of the other states would do. And we got cheap cost of living and cheap energy. And as a result, then a bunch of people go to Oklahoma and produce cannabis. So that is definitely dilutive of the California market. Even though, see, like there's, it's, a, it's, it's very interesting across the whole state, like country, there is a lot of, I mean, too, there's a bunch of just rebel cannabis farmers and the black market affects the white market. And so one thing, yeah, how well, oh, so with I the, yeah, I'll explain that. The issue was, is when Prop 64 got passed in California, it's adult use. They also made it essentially as you get caught in can, uh, California with cannabis, cultivating cannabis or selling cannabis really of any amount, it's a misdemeanor. So it's a Charlie Munger situation. Show me the incentives, I'll show you the outcome. You could spend, you know, a couple million bucks to get a licensed cannabis farm, pay an enormous amount of fees, be, be limited to selling to only other licensed distributors. Or you can just go and bang out some illegal pounds. And if you get caught, it's a it's a misdemeanor. So as a result, there's an enormous black market. And yeah, so like I said, I'm not a huge risk taker. So for me, it's like I'd rather just make what I make and not have to worry about having legal issues. But yeah, I mean, it's right. And so, Mike, so like to basically these renegade, these black market dealers, they have much lower costs and the market, their weeds cheaper, there can be cheaper and you just buy from them instead of the legal shit. Like I remember when Colorado legalized, I was out there and it was like, you could just go into a store and get some, or you just talk to somebody on the street who knew a guy and you get it for way cheaper, no taxes. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. it came in like, it, it came in like a product bag or, or like a container with like branding on it. Like it was from an Etsy shop <laughs> and you know, it was just way cheaper. So you got to compete with that. Yeah. And, and I guess these dudes could also sell for Bitcoin too, couldn't they? Anyway. Well, yeah, that's what, that was my... that happening, but I would imagine that in the future there will be more of that. Right. So my next question was the when it comes to selling the product, maybe this isn't as big of a deal in, you know working in a warehouse here, but at the retail level, is it still hard to... Can you not buy with a, a credit card? You know, is it, do you still have to take cash to the bank? 
in the, uh, in the trucks. You know, I'm not sure about that. I do know that a lot of the dispensaries they have ATMs in them. Um, yeah. Really, my whole career, honestly, for the last ten years, for sure, for the last ten years, I do one thing. It's like as a as an individual, my personality is to be very focused on one thing. Sure. That I'm into like, for example, Bitcoin. Like, I mean, all, for all the obvious reasons, I only need Bitcoin. But as a producer, uh, I want to do a really good job at the one thing, you know, and so I produce pounds of cannabis. That's it. I grow boutique hand trimmed pounds and I don't make hash. I don't do I don't sell clones. I literally sell bulk wholesale pounds. And that's what my focus is. Um, so, yeah, the, the product goes from our farm, which is a licensed cultivation facility to a licensed distributor and they package it and they take it to licensed retailers all over the state do you do you guys accept bitcoin uh no i don't i mean i would if my distributor was gonna pay in bitcoin but even then it's cumbersome because literally most of the money goes to all the costs so right at this point i live on a bitcoin standard but i play the fiat game sure you know? yeah right that's what you have to do for business so you oh. mentioned a few years ago you get into uh, you go down the Bitcoin rabbit hole around what time was that? And like, how, how did you find it? What was that, that journey into Bitcoin for the first time? Uh, I had a friend that brought it up in 2017. Um, in a way that kind of hit a little bit harder. I had just been approved for my permit on my farm and it was the first house and property that I had bought. And I just, I don't know, I had more of an incentive to think about it. Um, and it made perfect sense to me immediately for sure. And it was actually, grappling with what Bitcoin is and the Austrian economic theory is really what helped me lean into like the notion that I needed to pivot my business model and that holding on to this property and fighting the forces that I was going to have to fight against in the future uh, just wasn't my, wasn't the best thing for me. What's uh, when did you get into when you, so you found Bitcoin and it, you said 2017, so I assume that was like a bull, the bull market phase. When did you get? When did you get like real deep down the rabbit hole where you were like posting, like you're posting on you know Twitter now, and like you're part of the the community, right? The online community. How, when, what was that? Like? I just I see these videos of you just walking yeah. around. Like, this I want to talk about those too. Yeah. Yeah. So I just got onto Twitter. Like I don't know. Like I have my Twitter account I've had for a long time, but I think I started posting on Twitter like. Dude, like a week or two before I went down to Pacific Bitcoin. Like okay. I have lived my, dude, I've lived my, pretty much my whole life from like, I don't know, 12, 15 years old to like more recently, like in quasi hiding because of the lifestyle that mm -hmm. I've lived. Right. Yeah. And so, yeah, like you, you said you're not that big of a risk taker and you've always tried to do things by like, you know, the, the legal way, but you, this like, that's still not enough, right? Like you're still on like a friend in a fringe industry where you, I mean, even if it's not the state, right, you've got, I don't know what you would call them, but people that are going to come in, maybe not to this facility, but maybe 10 years ago and just try to steal your plants. Right. Or yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah, I've seen, <laughs> seen a lot of crazy stuff over the last 15 years here in Humboldt. Well, for sure. what are, what's what's what are some good stories like what's like well, how do you illustrate why why do you how do you explain to people why you hide or why you had to hide um you know it's a it's i mean even 
even today, like a handful of people, I mean, I've received an enormous amount, like 98%, 99% positive feedback from the people and what I have been posting about Bitcoin. But there are a few people who have shit on me hard for the weed thing. And so it's just a, you know, it's just an outdated, like, dude, it's people have been heavily indoctrinated and psyoped, you know? And so, dude, 10 years ago, what am I going to do? You know, hey, I'm dating some lady and, you know, hey, yeah, I'm right. some like, my boyfriend's a cannabis farmer. And so in Fair. Humboldt County, however, you know, the whole community is, dude, it's all cannabis. But still, you kind of had to be careful. Yeah. Sure. There's something frowned upon in some ways by some of the conservative older folks. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, like even it's it, it's not a one to one comparison. But even when, you know, I've got a girlfriend, her parents, they're they're cool, but like they're they're like older conservative Catholics. Right. And it's like, how do you explain like, oh, my boyfriend, he's a Bitcoin engineer and um, he has a podcast about getting stoned and talking about Bitcoin. It's like, you know, it's like you don't just necessarily, you know, just I don't just wear that on my on my patch yeah. when I go to like functions like hi, I'm Dan. I'm a, a, a stoner podcaster. Right. Like it, there is some of that. And there's so it's like there's kind of this relationship a little bit between the two industries and the fact that everything about it is just a little bit on the outskirts of what is socially acceptable, even still today, like Bitcoin yeah. still kind of seen as like this anarchist, you know, anti, which, you know, it is in a lot of ways, but not everybody perceives it. That's like their first thing they think about when they think about Bitcoin is this, you know, I, I, re I rebel renegade type shit. I, I kind of see the uh, cannabis industry as being a distributed industry as well am i am i wrong there oh yeah you can grow it anywhere right a, a decentralized industry decentralized, decentralized yeah. industry yeah uh-huh yeah yeah so i guess in that way it already speaks to bitcoin right just think about uh what he said earlier where it's with bitcoin it's like oh if one state bans it it just goes to another country mm -hmm. the the other country benefits well california has these high expensive licensing and regulations people are just going to oklahoma because you can grow it in oklahoma too well i mean dude, most, most of the weed grown in the state of california is grown in unlicensed facilities sure sure yeah, sure I mean, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's amazing the amount of unlicensed cannabis across the whole state it's just mind-blowing really it's it's the incentives the incentives are so strong to do so that people do you can't right, stop like, like the the war on drugs right is like if they tried to have a war on bitcoin well it would go about as well or worse than the war on drugs went where it's like like look what he said he's like totally you know it's mostly unregulated they can't stop it yeah you know i find a lot of similarities between cannabis and bitcoin and i think it stems from the ethos in general i mean it's a movement of fuck you we're gonna do what's right i don't give a fuck about your rules right that's what it is it's like and it's you can't stop it no, you can't. It's like whack-a-mole. You know, I debate with people about this. I'm like, you know, I uh, Peterson and Breedlove, when they talked, I think Peterson, he spoke to, and I could be wrong that where this came from, but he spoke to essentially we're playing a game. And if you're going to play a game where you have, if you're being forced to play a game, someone has to allocate energy to keep you playing that game. And you will, that game will always lose to a game that you can play willingly because nobody has to allocate any energy to make you to play it, right? So over a long enough period of time, people are going to do what makes sense. So, yeah. What's your, uh, how would you describe your tolerance compared to the, you know, the average normie? 
I mean, you could say me and Snoop Dogg would get along. I mean, <laughs> maybe not anymore. Uh, well, I don't. You know what? He said that, and then I saw him on the gram murking a blunt straight to his face. So I don't know. All right, right. Yeah, it was. Well, it was all marketing. It's all ad yeah. campaign for edibles. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, no, it, it was for the the smokeless uh, fire pit. That's what. Oh yeah! Right. Yeah. Exactly. Anyway, uh, what's your? I have a. Go ahead, Mike. Okay, I have a question. Would you consider yourself like a connoisseur? Uh, I mean, yeah, you could say that. Like, I am a seasoned, I don't know, borderline vet cannabis professional. You know, I've been in it for 15 years, so I don't know. I don't want to take any, you know, I want to disrespect the old timers. There's guys who've been doing this for 30 or 45 years here. But like, dude, I have been in the thick of it in the Mecca for, you know. You so you really understand the plant. Oh yeah. Down to the yep, down to yep. the core. You you started with the trimming, right? Totally. Uh huh. Do Do you have any insight about the plant itself? I'm kind I'm kind of curious. Yeah, and I have a, a follow up to that. Cause, I mean, like, insight about the plant, and then like the way you treat it versus and the way you treat it, and then its relationship with with the with the person who consumes it later right dude that all right so fuck um so i think a few things like what did nikola tesla said if you want to understand the universe you need to think in terms of vibration and frequency okay here we go Daryl Ankin channels an entity named bashar and i love this shit dude this is fucking next level at least i don't know i resonate with this this makes sense to me you resonate bashar with the vibrations yeah, Bashar is a uh, an entity, a consciousness, an alien entity that this guy Daryl Enkin apparently channels. If you're not into that, you can put that aside. What this guy says is fucking epic, dude. And he speaks to, if you want to understand things, you need to think in terms of vibration. Physicists are literally looking at the fabric of our reality and thinking there's literally nothing there but energy. So everything has a vibrational frequency. And... The atoms, everything. I mean, like that's what it comes down to, right? Like the, the vibration, and the rhythm, and like the the magnetic uh, connection between yes. objects, the force. That <clears throat> I mean, that's what that's the basis of physics, right? This relationship between energy and mass, and like the the frequency and the vibrations between them. Totally. I never thought of this. This is great. Keep keep going. Keep so, going. I believe. Now, there are, and you can find this, like, I don't know, you can Google, like, vibrational charts. And I have a fan that's about to kick on. If uh, you know, I did a test call earlier. It shouldn't be too bad if it doesn't get close. Um, also, by the way, I've been asked several times, like, dude, are you running Bitcoin miners in the greenhouse? Uh, that, that was one of my next questions. <laughs> dude, I have to run cooling for, like, I don't know, 95% of the year. So I have large exhaust fans that are about to turn on. It shouldn't be too bad. Um well, if there's a species that likes heat, then there you go. That'll be the way you do it. Totally. Well, the lights put off an enormous amount of heat. It's 84,000 watts of electricity pumping out of these lights. They're all 1,000-watt fixtures. It's an enormous amount of wattage, dude. How what much is water, it? ASIC how much water is do you what? use? What's that? How much water do you use? Oh, fuck. I don't know. It's like... Uh, more than New York City. That's what they say. 800 gallons a day, like in full peak for a facility like this. It's not all that much, honestly. It's the same sure. as growing tomatoes or any other. Okay. Okay. Crop, okay. It's not, it's not crazy. There's a lot of FUD, just like in Bitcoin. It's like, oh, exactly. it uses a billion, jillion gallons for a fucking gram of weed. And on, the, on the topic at hand here, what do you think 
having like let's say you could run bitcoin miners you don't have to worry about the heat what do you think that the that noise that hissing of the asics how do you think that would fuck up the you know the the vibe um i don't know that it would okay okay and and i could say cast we want to just go out there like i do that's what that's what i'm trying to get that's what i'm trying to take this Okay, dude, this is funny. This guy's cracking up. I love it. So, dude, I believe, fuck, dude, and I'll just say it. I believe that cannabis resonates at a high, at a quite a high frequency. Okay, and you can, okay. and I wouldn't even say that we're limited from low to high because I think that we live in a more multi-dimensional, multi-dimensional multiverse. Okay. And I kind of subscribe to the simulation theory. I mean, mm-hmm. dude, it's just like what you you. You play this out, dude. A hundred years from now, we're gonna have simulations that are in, indistinguishable from reality. If that's the case, then it's not probabilistic that this is our base reality. Right. So, right. No, yeah, I think we're already getting to that point where you start having a hard time to, to totally. decipher between reality and and just some kind of simulation. Yeah. So I think cannabis has its own specific frequency. It's a very healing frequency. It's a very I don't know, grounding frequency. Um, in medicinal herbs, there are some herbs that are tonic herbs that are herbs that you can't have too much of, for example. Like you could have a shot of garlic and it's immune system booster. It'll ramp your immune system up. But if you have like chaga, for example, a polypore mushroom that would that has a modulatory effect, it, one, you also, some herbs, you can't have too much of them. Some herbs, you can't have too much. Or you can have too much and you want to be careful. Um, what is it? It's a, there's a, there's a term for it. Anyways, you get the point. It's a modulatory herb. I yeah, think yeah. It, it, can ha- it can help people uh, uh, ramp up or down, zoom sure. in or zoom out. I think it has this on. very yeah. modulatory yeah. effect, and I think it has a very strong, like healing vibration. I'll say that, and I'd also think that I I want to I'll let you let you respond, but I have a little sh- thoughts on Bitcoin and its vibration. Yeah, yeah. So I was gonna say this almost sounds like, and correct me if I'm wrong, and I don't know, I don't want to say it's Graham Hancock's idea, but it's kind of like when we take certain psychedelic substances, including cannabis, that it's almost like our brains are tuning into a different frequency, almost like you are tuning the radio from, you know, the FM stations to find the different frequencies. And then you, you get, you start, you get in this rhythm on this, on this higher frequency and you just experience reality from a totally different perspective. It's almost like to, to even piggyback off of the, the vibrations, it's, when you go to a rave or a concert and everybody gets on the same wavelength in the concert because of the beat, because of the music and everybody's moving their bodies in the same way and their emotional states are being kind of like in tune with each other. It's, it's, there's something to this. It's hard to measure, but it can, it, it can affect our, our mental, our psyche if we consider the right substances. A significant percentage of us humans intuitively can feel it we know it and we'll we agree right that's that's why mike laughed when i said earlier it's like the vibe feels off when somebody says the vibes are off or the vibes are good it's like that's a real thing like you the people who people overuse it and idiots say it but like there's something to that dude it's deep yeah no vibes are not right word it's just i think it's definitely over overused for sure sure. 
for sure. But and it's, go ahead. I just gotta, I gotta ask Eric. You were you were relating this vibration energy thing to 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 Bitcoin, and I was yes. curious where you're gonna go with that. And were so, you the, was the word you were looking for adaptogen? It helps you yes, adapt. Yes, that's okay. it. Thank you. Yes, An okay. adaptogen. Yes. Some people might not agree with me. I don't know. There, I mean, there's, but there's just, dude, it's enormous amount of testimonials. You can get on Netflix and you can watch a documentary about how some guy fucking cures cancer and gets rid of all, dude, it's, so, yes, it's an adaptogen. That's what I believe. And in this relationship now. So, in pertains to vibes or vibration, let's start with fiat. Dude, this whole thing with like, money is the root of all evil. It goes right right back to, I love how Jeff Booth says it. You can't have an honest society with a dishonest ledger. That's it. Right. Money with a, is with a dishonest every- history. Yeah, with but a, I mean. It's- a dishonest accounting. It's like, yeah. it, it all. it's all related. You can't have a dishonest ledger, dishonest accounting, a dishonest history, because you can't, you have to be able to look back and reference something. And you have to know that it's based in what was real at that moment well, in time. It's, it's. It's a lie. It's distorting the price signal. There's like a lag a signal. Yeah. It, yeah. It's like there's a there's a life force theft that's taking place in through this weird manipulation and the fabric of our reality. People's life force is getting siphoned through the ethos from some people to other people and people don't understand what's happening. But we all intuitively know when we're getting fucked that. And then if if the money is touching Dude, every we use money. There's some barter. You know, I hear George Gammon. You maxis, you need to be probabilistic. All right, I get it. People barter. That's fine. But literally, money is half of every fucking transaction in the economy, and our money has got this fucked, distorted, icky vibration within it. And I think it causes people to like dilute themselves and become yes. so more sociopathic and dishonest and deceive themselves to rip people off. And like, dude, it's a whole fucked thing that has an enormous cascading effect through the vibration of our reality yeah coin is changing that and healing that in the most fundamental profound mind-blowing ways right my opposite of that my theory is that going back to the energy right like entropy is this uh useless energy this it, it, as it grows it's, it's chaos grows and then you talked about signal as the fiat as they just pump more and more fake feet you know fake money into the system that's not backed by energy it's this entropy in the system and it makes it harder it's just more noise it makes it harder to find the signal so like you you talk about it it perverts the incentives people are chasing these you know they're following the money so to speak so they think that these scams or these ruses are because they're profitable at least in the short term they're worth spending their energy and time on but it's just distorting all the information and sending them down these rabbit holes that are false rabbit holes these are false profits these price signals are false profits and it's just distorting the way everybody behaves because they have no ability to parse the noise and find the signal in a system that's so degraded with this entropy Totally. That's beautifully said. Dude, I love that. Well, and I also think it's just sheer, sheer self-preservation. Sure. You know, like we're squirrels but- that need to store nuts. And if we can store nuts for fucking five winters, 10 winters, 100 winters, like you can't stop it. And so I think as it becomes more difficult to make it through one winter is when you start to self-dilute and you start to, you know, or people. And this is like, 
it's a creates a it creates a game theoretic fuckness because if you're in the marketplace and you're competing against people who are going to do other people dirty and you're ethical you're at a game theoretic disadvantage and i believe this is why people for fucking so long have been so religious and organize themselves around this ideology to treat people well. I think it's our compassion, but I think two things. The physicality of property created a game theoretic fuckness. If I'm a sociopath and I don't give a fuck, I'll just kill you and take your shit. And then now in the marketplace, we have a more modern version of that. If I'm a sociopath and I don't give a fuck, I'll just go and rip that guy off. And now I got more money and we're competing over the same goods and resources that we have to hoard because we can't save a money because we really don't even have a fucking money. We got a political currency unit, which was once certificates that represented a yellow shiny rump. Like it's quite fucking primitive if you think about it. And that's the crazy thing about it. They make it seem like it's so complex and so state of the art, but it's like really just a broken system that's kind of running on uh, fumes. Uh, it was just attached to rocks in our, you know, our parents' lifetime. You know what I mean? And now it's it's got to be tethered to something. Or this is just going, this clown world is going to keep getting crazier because these incentives are going to keep getting more and more warped and it's going to come to a point or a head at some point. Because Dude, what you're saying, like people, people are going to resort to violence. If, if the sociopaths killing and taking things are the ones who are the only ones surviving, well, then totally. non-sociopaths have to act like sociopaths to survive. Yes. Yeah. It's um, crazy. Yeah, that's, well, it just hopped out, hopped out at me, this sort of Bitcoin found a way to tether truth in a, in a, in a sense. Totally. So it's like the, it's like for the first time in humanity, we can actually be truthful. Right. And well, the mechanism, and that sounds, that sounds very highfalutin. And we talk all this like, you know, in these philosophical abstractions, but what it's really doing is it's drawing our attention back to these properties of mathematics, of, uh, of energy, of the um, uh, laws of thermodynamics. It's reconnecting us like being a marijuana farmer, a cannabis farmer, excuse me, to the earth, to the real, the physical world, the limitations, the scarcity, the the seasonal cycles, the scarcity of, of water, of nutrients. Like once you're, if you're focused on these and you, he, he's talking about dealing with the commodification of this product, your whole business relies on, you know, your costs aren't going down because those are real, totally. but your but your but the price is, is of the product you're selling is going down because anybody can do it. There's no, which is good for yeah. all of the humanity. consumer. Yeah. Well, it's good for everybody. And so I, I see that. I see that it's good for everybody. You right. Know, and, that's, and my point is that yeah, it's only good for everybody if they are good stewards of it because yeah, I'm benefiting from cheap weed, but if, the people who are the, the most intelligent, the people who have the tradition, you talked about the old heads, the OGs, if the people who actually care about this industry and like doing it right and doing it well, if they don't survive, then and nobody's doing it well. Well, this this cheap weed, this cheap access to this plant of truth, it's uh, it's threatened unless you can grow it as well as the people you're buying it from yourself. And a lot of people might think they can and they find out they can't. They fafo. I mean, dude, you could grow some fantastic product in your backyard. Like, 
Yeah, you can also send a Bitcoin transaction peer to peer, but if you put somebody on the spot and had them do it, how many people could do either of those things? That's true. Yeah, at this point, that's true. You know, I do want to 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 circle back, and I want to see, see if I can articulate this thought thread because what mm-hmm. you said connected some, some okay for me. I think that, dude. I think I heard in a hotel hangout, Breed Love or someone said nice. that when you yeah. lie, you lie. It's like a fork of reality. It's like you hard fork reality. And so some point, a gold custodian issued more certificates than he had gold in reserve. He forked reality. And that fork has gone on mm-hmm. since that time frame, if you will, to today. Mm-hmm. And clown world, I think, is just essentially more chaos to try to justify and fucking, I don't know, come up with some bullshit reason why we to have support that, that fork. fork of a reality, right? Right. And I think that that's what's distorted everybody's perception of like what's oh. real and what's not real. And like we have a lot of people behaving like there aren't consequences. They all live in their own world. They think that we should all live in whatever world they want us to live in. And I think that, you know, Bitcoin being capital T truth, it's like the fucking truest thing, man. It's. It's bring because you know what it is, is is it's a consensual reality. We're all consenting to this thing that's really indisputable because nobody can say that it's not because, hey, look right here. Right. So whatever this, this is the chain with the most work on it. This is the one with the most history. The U.S. dollar has the most users. This yeah, is but the your real thing. And his reality and my reality, they're different. But there's this we can we have one we can consent to. And if we if we can now live our own realities, but ground in to this mm-hmm. consent, it literally is like the the biggest and largest, most fundamental consensual reality that all of humanity can now organize itself around. While in some sense, we all lived in our own reality that wasn't tethered together in such a fundamental way. And furthermore, like Case and I love how he always says that. <laughs> uh it's bringing us. Dang, I lost my thought. That it'll come back. It'll come back. Yeah, dude. yeah. No, yeah. Please so trying to uh, formulate new thoughts here. No, new- yeah. I was. I was. What you were saying really resonated with me. I was just. T- I was texting this to Mike. I think yesterday. I was. I was stoned. I was on a walk, and I was listening to uh, what Bitcoin did with John Carvalho, uh, Bitcoin Airlock, and he says, in his uh, way of looking at it, is that. There's no such thing as a hard fork. What you're doing is making a copy and trying to convince everybody else to follow that copy, and so. If we're constantly hard forking reality or, quote unquote, just making copies and trying to get people to to follow this copy, it's almost like when you try to you take a, an original and you photocopy it and then you take the copy and you photocopy it again or you take the copy and you photocopy it again or you take a meme and you save it as a JPEG and then you keep saving it and save it, it starts to get warped. It starts to get further and further away from the original and some people edit a little bit sometimes they try to make improvements but it keeps as you keep forking these copies the further you get away from the original the more perverted it gets and it just keeps getting worse and worse and worse totally yeah you can see the life cycle of of a meme even you know Uh, derivative all the derivatives from it yeah like in all the derivative chains it's like it's this brings up the topic i wanted to to ask you guys tonight is do you believe in ghosts because I believe in ghosts, but what I believe, the way I believe in ghosts <laughs> is, that, is that, you know, I work as a software engineer. If, if, if I'm writing code 
and then I leave a company and years later they go back and they're going to redo all the code I wrote to keep the same application. Well, they can rewrite all of the logic, all of the code, but the flow, the spirit, the intention of that software originally, if they're not completely starting from scratch, they're still fought like that essence of that original software is still there. The, the bugs may still exist. They can't get rid of it. It's like these ghosts of the old code are haunting them at, even years later after I'm gone. And the ghosts of mistakes on chains, these ghost chains that are, that are hard forked, they still contain these spirits, so to speak, from the original. And it's, it's similar in culture. Like Israel and Gaza, they've been fighting for thousands of years. You can't, they could, short of killing every single person over there, the culture of the, the art, the, the way of doing things, their tradition, their music, their, uh, their rituals, that stuff lives on in the society and comes back to haunt whoever absorbed it. You, you know, the, these, they create these, they use the culture to create these imaginations, these objects in their head that represent their ancestors and they, and the actions of their ancestors represented through that cultural, you know, memory haunt them. Or in good, in good, and when it's a good sense, they're angels, they, they're considered angels. So you think of your grandmother and all the ways she would have acted and the way she did act throughout her life. And you use her to, how would she make this decision? And that's like, you know, that's her, your guardian angel, so to speak, totally. stuff like that. And that yeah. resonates through our culture and you our want, money. You want even. to take that? You want to take yeah. that question there? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, well, you I know, gotta, that's I just, answer, yeah. it makes me think it's like a, you know, it's like a mix of quantum entanglement and the yeah. multiverse, where everything, everything, anything, and everything is happening everywhere all at once. And that is like, yeah, a profound thing. And then if you think of, you know, quantum entanglement, like, you know, are all these. Everything affects everything and it happens all at the same time. Right. If you can kill me, but if my vibrations are still reverberating through the, the culture, you didn't kill me. Totally. I'm but, still affecting, yeah. I'm still influencing it. When I, when I think about ghosts, I think I, the, the perfect image of a ghost pops into my head of the, the Disneyland haunted house ghosts in the dance floor that are like spinning around like these holograms of like right. projections. That's what they are. They're Proje projections. The, exactly. Projections of the they're mind projections. of the light. They're, well, and they are projections of something in the past mm. mm -hmm. that exist around you, but you can't touch them. You can only see them. Like you can only imagine them or see them They're They come to you like they uh, affect you. Absolutely. They're, they're, and they're always very emotional. It's like there's an emotional attachment to these moments. And it, I, here, here's the point I'm trying to make is like, I walk through my house, you know, I'm a family man. I walk through my house. I do my, you know, duties as a father. And I, uh, and I am in this part of the house and I'm in that part of the house and I'm picking up this and I'm, there's a whole, you know, world I have here. And you can take that, time frame and at all those moments when I was doing that thing and you can push 30 years ahead, but that the, my ghost is still there in that space that exists. Right. You know what I'm saying? So I think that that's how it is for me is it's just these energies 
of memories or memories like you can just see the right like even you know I mean, go take it down no 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 like i was gonna yeah. say that they're because yeah, I'm, I'm done i'm out of gas <laughs> there's there's old there's old chocolate chip cookies in my kitchen and i'm telling you about them the only people that know that they exist are you two and myself they're real they're real cookies but are they any more real than the concept of god which is in everyone's mind you know, does the fact that they're physically real make them exist or does the fact that everybody's got an image of them that they can share and it kind of come, at least in smaller communities, to this consensus on what is real? And the, Go ahead. So no, some, right, yeah, right. so something being this consensus on what is real doesn't have to be a physical item. This consensus on what is real between any group of people can be ideas. Yes. It's nice. Okay, hold on. Oof, this is tough. I'm going to try to unpack this. <laughs> Dude, because this is fucking... I love this. So, <laughs> if you think in terms of vibration and frequency, you... Okay, I also heard someone say that the law of attraction is your vibrational frequency being mirrored to you in the world around you. Okay? And so, if you're tuning your vibration... If tuning your vibration is like tuning your radio signal. And people, you know, this is commonly talked about today. Like there are like endless YouTube channels that talk about this. I think what might be so profound about Bitcoin is, is, is it's maybe the largest scale, like vibrational frequency that we are all attuning to very clearly. Like it's very... <laughs> clear like even religion in the past everybody had their own version it was all kind of different this is one fucking solid vibrational frequency that like everybody is aligning with and i can say from like you know since we fucking have gone all crazy on this <laughs> this conversation here there's something that has happened within me as a result of bitcoin over the last five years like i can say that like vibrationally the way that I interpret and manifest the reality around me is constantly changing in this like magical fucking dude, like psilocybin, like crazy, like cerebral, powerful way. And I see that in a lot of other Bitcoiners, you know, down at Pacific Bitcoin. It's the only Bitcoin meetup I've been. I've been like, dude, I've just been living my life. I'm just a dude growing weed, right? It was fucking crazy. Thousands of people, I don't know how many thousand, 2,000, 3,000 people on the same vibe on like a whole nother level, dude. And, and almost I've never experienced no, anything like Like tuner or anything. Like you just showed up and boom, it was, you locked in. Dude, it's magic, dude. There's something fucking and I, magical it, about and it. You, like you said, this was your Incredible. first big event or meetup that you went to. I think that there's... Only Bitcoin yeah, so, event I've been to. I'm 100% right. Bitcoin. I don't hold to it. I have like a month and a half's worth of cash. It's like fucking literally. Bitcoin is the money. I tell my friends, she's like, oh, you're crazy. What do you mean? I'm like, what do you mean? Well, it's like I have the money. And if it there's a, I don't want to spend it, obviously. It's my savings, right? right? That's the goal. No, yeah, my, yeah like my, my, my point is there's so many Bitcoiners out there who don't go to any of these conferences or meetups, right? They just use Bitcoin or they found it. Maybe they, they interact with people online but they don't go to these events. And I don't think that they understand or appreciate what you're talking about, that 
that vibrational it's, but it's still happening right it's i think there. the vibration is bringing those people together to these events i think i think that if you're being mm-hmm. you feel like you're being pulled towards one or compelled to go to one i don't think that's an accident i think that that is some kind of force that maybe someday we'll have the tools to measure yeah it's and I mean, that's you know the joke is bitcoiners are autistic it's not be, it's because we're all on the same wavelength we're all get we're all on the same spectrum I think it's the vibration. It is. No, you know, I, I, I don't know. I think there's something to that 100%. Now that you've been to one, are you looking for more opportunities to connect with people in real life and do that more often? Oh, dude. Uh, yeah. I'm, that's why that's why I had to start making videos. You know, I like I said, I've the nature of the way what I have been doing with my life, the logical, rational thing to do was to stay quiet and live a low key life, right? And what I have started to do with my life now, now that my weed life is super lawful, it's not, it's, it's not questionable. I'm not worried about it. It's a licensed cannabis farm. I'm not doing anything wrong. Really, I want to participate in the Bitcoin revolution because I think it's the most important thing that's happened in human history. And so, yeah, I just, yeah, it's, um, and I've been an analog guy. So it's helping me embrace digitization. Right. Intuitively, I knew the digital world was fucked without a decentralized free protocol and so as a result of bitcoin i'm less analog i used to kind of want to be the gold guy like you know hey but you found that there is value in the digital world that it's not all perverted and or fucked up i mean i always saw the value but i'm just not about right of course you know what i mean and i think that's one of the beauties of of bitcoin is that it brings the people who might have been whether they were social outcasts whether they had a job that they kind of felt like outcast a little bit from the mainstream society it's like it doesn't matter here we're all outcasts or we but we can do whatever we want because like you said we can all do our own thing we can all be individuals but still cooperate because we found something we all agree on yeah yeah man it's a big deal so yeah i'm I'm social i'm bitcoining digitally that's what i know socializing digitally and it's been quite surreal. And honestly, it's, it's crazy that the, the connection yeah. between I, I there was like this, you know, finance person who went down to El Salvador and they gave this really good um, feedback on like their trip and like what they went in expecting and what they found. And they were kind of talking about the the change in the revolution that's happened down there. And he kind of said, you know, the, the dollar value or the profit, whatever you want to measure it with of Bitcoin in El Salvador that they've been buying since they made illegal tender is the worst way to like look at the value it's brought to that country. And it takes like these people who were very agricultural based, very, you know, farmers come on, they worked in the commodities business construction and it's giving them a reason to learn the digital world, learn how to code, learn software, learn how to communicate and connect and network with other countries, other commerce around the world digitally. And it's giving them the skills to really rapidly yeah. grow the country and those people to really catch up to the, the the digital revolution yeah well i mean it's yeah i think i agree with that entirely and i think that in addition to that and also for me if i can project my energy into the future more effectively then i'm fucking way more pumped on life like i'm way more into all right it's all like dude it's great like twitter's great like I'm into it. Like, I want to learn the stuff. I want to meet the people. I want to be a part of the whole thing because it's fucking awesome. You can channel your energy efficiently. 
to the future. Yeah, and it's 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 hope. It's hope. Hell yeah, dude. It's hope. You know, I had a real. I think, yeah. You know, the the amount of hope that I see lighting up because of Bitcoin is just so inspiring. And for what it's done for me, and it takes, dude. It take you got to think long and hard about it. The longer you think about it, the more you're in it, dude. The better it gets, the more hopeful. It's like you know, American Hodel said, it's it's rational optimism. Hundred percent. You know, and and and, dude, it's like you only sh- people people are only shit coining because the world's so fucked. It's total exactly. nihilism, it's nihilism, dude. You it's know? this. It's fatalism. It, yep. Yeah, man. So Eric, Eric, you mentioned these videos that you're doing. Um, yeah. Which is this is a, um, a great segue, but the. Uh, I'm curious, like, Dan, you, you said this great little term before, right before he came on, you said, I was like, where, I wonder where he is. He's like, he's, he's out there talking to his plants. And this is such an interesting little thought of like, what you're talking to your plants about uh, these videos. And uh, can you speak a little to that? Um, the videos, like, honestly, the first time I really videotaped myself and tr- talked and tried to like put a thought thread on a video was after I got back from Pacific Bitcoin and it's fucking hard. And I, you know, I'm self-conscious and like, it's a whole been a whole thing. Like, it, you know, to do, like, I have a lot of respect for the people who can sit there and t- articulate and talk to a camera and put together a whole thought thread, let alone something that's kind of a complex thing. Like, you know, it's complex. And so as far as the videos go, the videos are strictly because I said it, I said it in one of my videos, I've said it a few times now, like I literally feel like I just run around yelling at the same 15 people about like, look what's happening. Like, this is what's happening. This is what we're dealing with. And we need Bitcoin and fucking A and like, dude, you know? And so, yeah, (laughs) I have to fucking make the videos. It's making me crazy. Like I have fucking bursting at the seams, dude. Fuck. That and I got to commit, connect with more Bitcoiners, you know, and the amount of like positive feedback and dude, I've got a lot of messages from people who, you know, they're saying nice things. It fucking means a lot to me, honestly. Are, are you are you thinking of a particular aspect uh, about Bitcoin these days? Uh, when, you're on your rant, when you're on your walks? Uh, no, I just, dude, all I'm doing is say, for me, adopting a Bitcoin standard in looking at the lens, looking at the world through the lens of the new system, like Jeff Booth says, to the more and more it comes clear, it becomes so obvious, like it's such a monumentally big deal. Like I have to fucking help other people see it if I can encourage it in, in the slightest way, because what it's doing and really my message is I just want to tell people what it's doing for me. Like it is a big fucking deal like i would be toast as a commodity producer my situation as a cannabis farmer is an extreme example of what's happening economically to all businesses really you know we have we have real world deflation it's a deflationary world we are meeting demand and when ai is coming through it's going to be crazy and we have exponentially more liabilities in the system they have to print exponentially more money Dude, it's going to be crazy. And there's going to be a bunch of people that are going to want to vote for unrealized capital gains and all sorts of shit. The world is going to dude. I'm concerned, honestly. And so, dude, I want to help just if I can fucking wake Just I want people to think about it. Like, look, dude, it's an optical illusion. We're getting to this. Fuck, man. 
Gosh. this episode without getting to an apocalyptic situation, you know? Dude, I just, well, you know, like, so for me, like, dude, all I'm trying to do is say, hey, like, I'm a fucking normal guy. I smoke a fuck ton of weed and I'm just trying to fucking, you know, eat organic food and not get fucking poisoned and fucking lied to and fucking, you know what I mean? I just want to, you know, keep a nice little modest place and fucking raise my kids like fuck, dude. And, uh, and I'd be toast without Bitcoin, honestly. And so, but with Bitcoin, I feel quite confident. Like, this is going to happen. Like, we're cool. We, we can do this, everybody. We don't need to, like, fucking kill each other and compete over all of this crap in the way that we have for the last fucking, how, dude, hundreds of thousands of years, however long. I don't know. Fucking however long. We've been, we can do things differently now. We have invisible metaphysical property. It's fucking magic. Dude, it changes the fabric of our reality. The game theory from the fundamental level and the base layer is completely different. I think about it in terms of like Satoshi came in, wrote a few lines of code and just fundamentally changed the simulation that we live in. It's a different it's a different program. We were like raised in this program. That was one thing. And everything we know was that thing. And everything is built upon that thing. The game theory was this. If you're a sociopath and I don't give a fuck, I'll kill you and I'll get all my homies to get together and we'll just fucking kill you and take all your shit. Well, now you can you can custody the thing that has all the energy. It's your life force. I can't steal your fucking life force. Dude, it changes the fundamental fabric of our reality. It's the biggest deal in the fucking... I think it's the biggest deal ever. A lot of other... I get it. All these Bitcoiners. You, I feel like I'm preaching to the choir. But so for me, I think if I could just help more people see this, I would feel like I feel good. I think you're expressing your message and and more people will hear your message. That's that's how they just need to get on your wavelength. Yeah, man. Well, yeah. Yeah, man. Got to think in terms of vibration and frequency. And I think Bitcoin to it vibrates at this very special high frequency. It's quite incredible. Well said. Quite incredible. Eric, was there, was there, before we wrap up, is there anything you wanted to, speak about tonight um i you know that we, just ha- that we haven't touched on uh no i just would want to say that i dude literally my whole thing i'm so grateful for bitcoin like i am just beyond fucking grateful this is the biggest deal ever Amen. it's the biggest deal ever it's the biggest <laughs> deal on my reality i see it in a lot of other people's reality we're consenting so many people are organizing in this consensual reality where all these individual realities are all green. This is the biggest deal ever. And it's epic. It's fucking epic. It's surreal. Like, I feel like it's like, it's like a dude. And I don't smoke weed all day, every single day of my life for the last 15 years too. Like I'm not some crazy fucking nutty fucking weed fucking smoking fiend. Like dude, during the time I owned my farm for 18 months, I didn't smoke any weed. So I'll take time off. I'll, I'll not smoke. I could leave town. I'm going to Nashville for 10 days for for uh, Bitcoin. Like, I can go and not smoke or what. I just enjoy it. It's nice. You know, some people have been like, you need a vape. It's better for your lungs. I'm, no, dude, smoke a fucking. Dude, if we ever get together in your share, I'll roll you a fucking fat, proper five gram joint and you'll enjoy the shit out of it. It's nice. It's like a big fucking epic cigar. It's tasty as shit. It has no chemicals in it. And I can inhale it and it makes me fucking feel good. You know what? I will say this. This is in terms of vibration and frequency. I don't drink alcohol and I haven't drinking alcohol for like 10 years or so. I've drank alcohol like two or three times over the last fucking 10 years. 
and it makes me feel really shitty. I concluded that the biggest hindrance for me to obtain and maintain a high vibrational state of being was consuming alcohol. Flat out. It fucking, at least for me personally, just wrecked me. It would just bring me down hard. And so weed never makes me feel shitty. It doesn't, you know. There are some side effects, like I'll admit to that. No you, know, you can get a little little foggy. Um, I don't know. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I got, guys. Just a fucking dude. Just a dude who's fucking enthralled with what I'm experiencing in my life as a result I think of Bitcoin. It sounds like it. it sounds like you're you're living you're living your best life. I think that's a perfect place yeah. to end it right there. That's a great message. Yeah. Well, thank you guys. Um, so, yeah, Eric, did you want to talk anything about your work or where to find you? Uh, yeah. I mean, I'm on Twitter at Eric V Stacks. I'm posting videos there and making new friends. It's been wonderful. I'm beyond grateful. It's pretty surreal, honestly. <laughs> yeah. I just thank you, man, for coming on. This is a lot of fun for me. I just want to say. Totally. All right, I'll cut it. Thanks again for listening to the High Hash Rate Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at High Hash Rate, or you can hit up Dan at Heartland Bitcoin, H-R-T-L-N-D Bitcoin, or myself, Mike, at Run Dance Bitcoin. That's all one word, Run Dance Bitcoin. If you're a fellow pleb or you just want to shoot the shit with two high Bitcoiners, reach out to us. Holy Toledo!